0: Scripture reading this morning is John 14, verse 6. If you have a Bible, open it up there if you would. John 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It is all about identity. Identity, the question for every single person, is really about who is Jesus. Because the fact remains, if Jesus says who He claims that He is, then that really does change everything. And I believe that us being here this morning is a proclamation of that fact, that Jesus is who He truly says He is. You know, there are some books in the Bible that just help us a whole lot by telling us exactly what the purpose of that book is. The Gospel of John is one such book where John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31 really does help us to ask and answer the question, what's John all about? It's about asking who is Jesus and answering it. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which were not written in this book, he says. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and by believing you may have life in his name. When we think about who is Jesus, it really does make all the difference. Because if Jesus is not who he claimed to be, and there's no reason to be here this morning. But if Jesus truly is the Son of God, then it makes all the difference in the world. When you look at the Gospel of John, it is a masterpiece, giving us a portrait of Jesus that is crystal clear and that ought to give us a sense of awe. Because in so doing, John 1.18, we really do see God. See, no one, John one eighteen says, has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side. He, He has made Him known. The Gospel of John is designed in such a way that we can see who Jesus is. But more so, the Gospel of John is designed in such a way to be used as a very practical evangelism tool. A lot of folks will talk about how how John, this Gospel, was written a bit later uh, uh, in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. And how it was written to second-generation Christians and second-generation people after the events of the cross to go back and look and see what exactly has happened. And John is known for a lot of themes. And if we were to try to go through John and look at all of the themes and, and all of the signs and, and everything that was done, uh, we would still be here tomorrow probably. Probably. And there are a lot of different ways for you to look at this book and for you to to think about this book evangelistically. In fact, just a simple, straightforward reading of the book, I think, is one of the most effective ways to learn about the gospel. Because the gospel is about the salvation of man to the glory of God through Jesus Christ, His Son. When you look at the gospel of John, that's exactly what you see. There's a lot of different ways that you can look at John. In fact, a lot of folks like to talk about seven particular signs in the Gospel of John. Again, John 20, 30 and 31, these signs are written, these things are written so that you can believe that Jesus is the Christ and believing you may have life in His name. And there are seven very powerful, identifying signs, miraculous signs in John. Chapter 2, turning water into wine. Chapter 4, healing a sick child. Chapter 5, healing a paralyzed man. Chapter 6, feeding 5,000 people with just a couple loaves and a couple fish. Chapter 9, healing a blind man. Chapter 11, raising Lazarus from the dead. And chapter 20, his own resurrection. You could look at those seven signs of Jesus And ask the question like so many were asking in the Gospel of John, could this be the prophet? Could this be the Messiah? Look at what he's doing. No one does these things, Nicodemus would say, in John chapter 3, unless they are sent by God. Who is Jesus? The Gospel of John is designed in a very powerful evangelistic way. What we are going to do briefly this morning is walk through what are classically called the seven I am statements of Jesus. And in fact, when you read the gospel, he says I am more than just those seven times. Uh, you're going to find it over 21 times, I believe, if you start counting all of the different times. He says, I am, I am, I am. And it's one of those things that in the original language is said in such a way that it causes the ears to perk up. He basically says, I, I am. It's something that's unique and, and something that wouldn't have been said very often. But when we talk about the I am It is important to understand what Jesus means when he says, I am. When he says, I am. In John chapter 8, Jesus is in a discussion with the scribes and the Pharisees, the pompous religious elites of the day. And there's this discussion back and forth about, about Jesus' identity still, and, and, and there's this, uh, these, this, this back and forth between who is Jesus' father and who's the father of the scribes and the Pharisees. And the scribes and the Pharisees, they want to claim Abraham as their father. Abraham was our father. He, we only have one father. You, you might even be a Samaritan, they will accuse him of saying And in fact, in this situation, in this section, Jesus says, you are not of your father Abraham, you're of your father the devil. He's comparing them, how they are behaving and how they're acting and how they're living to a murderer from the beginning. A liar from the beginning. And they accuse him of being an illegitimate child. By the way, what are they saying about his mother? And they accuse him of potentially being a Samaritan but Jesus is identifying the true father by the works and the lives that both were living. And when they try to claim Abraham as their father, Jesus says no. He says in fact, Abraham wanted to see my day and uh, the scribes and Pharisees say, say you're not even 50 years old. How how could you even know something so ridiculous? And what Jesus says in John eight and uh, verse fifty eight and fifty nine is in John eight fifty eight is so powerful that immediately the scribes and the Pharisees decide to pick up stones and try to murder him. Jesus said to them, "Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am." And so they picked up stones. But he was able to escape. Before Abraham was, I am. This sentence is, again, it, it kind of sounds weird in our language. We don't usually talk that way. But this was so well known to the Jewish community the statement, I am before Abraham was, I am. That it caused them to get so angry, they're ready to kill him. What's it mean? What's it all about? He says, before Abraham was, I am. I want you to consider for just a moment. This idea goes all the way back to Exodus. And in Exodus, in fact, this is this is after the time of, of Abraham. Abraham is dead and gone. And Moses is in the wilderness, Exodus chapter 3. God is calling Moses from the burning bush to go and deliver his people. And through a series of questions and answers, Moses says, how am I going to go? Who's going to send me all that? What, What shall I say to Pharaoh as to who sent me? And in verse 14 of chapter 3, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. By this time, Abraham is dead. Isaac is dead. Jacob is dead. Joseph is dead. But he says, Say to them, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham. Not I was the God of Abraham, but the God of Abraham. The God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. When Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am, he is referring to this event. Before Abraham was, I am. And what he does is make a direct connection between him and the Father. Between him and God. In fact, when you look at this statement in Exodus. It was a claim that God is and always was and always will be, and that he is far above anything and anyone that anyone could even imagine. And you may remember the story of of God uh, sending the plagues on the Egyptians, and, and all of those plagues showing that the gods of the Egyptians were totally useless. Those idols are powerless. But God has all power. But this statement, I am, to be the introduction of who God is to Pharaoh and to tell the Israelites, this is who is saving you. You know, Isaiah 43 in verse 10 and 11 says, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me. And understand that I am He. Be- uh, before me, no God was formed. We Nor shall there be any after me. I am the Lord. And besides me, there is no Savior. Just a couple chapters later in Isaiah 46 and verse 9. Remember the former things of old. For I am God. And there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. When Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am, he's saying he's God, the one and only God, the one true God and Savior, the only one who can save and the only God who is Before Abraham was, I am. It's important because it is Jesus' self-identification. When all the people around were asking, who is this Jesus? He says, before Abraham was, I am. Now, I want you to think about these seven classic I am statements of God very quickly. And these seven classes, the reason they're, class, they're all metaphors, they're all pictures of, of Jesus saying that He is something, not He is like something, but that He is something, and it's this, this, this poetic picture that helps identify Him. In John chapter 6, if you will turn there, John chapter 6, He has fed 5,000 men and they're hungry again. And they come to him and Jesus says, you come because you're hungry, but I can offer you something that's going to satisfy more than your stomach. And in John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst, shall never thirst. When we consider Jesus and him being the bread of life, the words I want you to remember, satisfying provision. Satisfying provision. This is a time of year where a lot of people like to go on diets. And actually, this is the time of year when everybody gives up on their diets. It's the fourth week of the the month, about to go into the next month. A lot of people are trying to do better. It's the beginning of the year. And sometimes it's hard. You go on these and you get pretty hungry pretty quick because you're trying to cut out those things that are not all that good for you. And you're getting used to a new routine. But there's something that's true for each and every one of us. No matter what we're eating, we're going to be hungry again. But what Jesus says, and I am the bread of life. Everyone who comes to me will never hunger. Truly satisfied. Satisfied provision. Jesus provides nourishment to be satisfied in this life. Second, John chapter 8. John chapter 8 in verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. I wouldn't challenge you to do this, but if you ever find yourself talking for a very long time after services here, you might find a pretty dark building. Have you ever tried to go through the halls here without a flashlight? Roy, I know you have. It's scary, isn't it? There's all sorts of sounds. You can stumble. I'm amazed at how often I stumble over nothing in the darkness. There's nothing there, but I still find a way to trip. But what Jesus says here is he is the light of the world. And that with that light, in the darkest, thickest blackness, he shines. He's the bread of life, their satisfying provision. He's the light of the world, there is sanctified direction. We even sing a song, don't we? Where he leads, I will follow. Follow all the way. In John chapter 10 and verse seven, Jesus would say, "I am the door." Jesus again said to them, "'Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who, come, uh, who came before me are thieves and robbers, and the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture.'" He offers satisfying provision. He gives sanctified direction, but he's also a secure entrance. You can't go wrong with Jesus. All that came in before, they're thieves and robbers. They're going to go in through any way that they can find. But Jesus says, he is the gate of the sheep. Those who enter by Jesus will go into pasture and be secure. And it's because they listen to him. In fact, our next one in the Gospel of John is, I am the good shepherd in verse 11. John 10, 7, and then just a little bit later, John 10, 11. Not only is he the door of the sheep, the gate of the sheep. He says in verse 11, "I am the good shepherd." The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Their sacrificial protection. Their sacrificial protection. You think about sheep and especially what they are in the first century, they're a livelihood. But often they're more than a livelihood, they're close and, and, and cared for pets. I remember having a, a dog growing up, his name was Snowy because he was white, I was very clever as a seven-year-old, and then he got hit by about seven different trucks and we called his name Ghost because he always came out unscathed, that one wasn't me, that was my brother. Snowy ghost. I remember one day coming home from school. And he didn't make it. It's a dog. But I cared for him. And what Jesus says at being the good shepherd and laying his life down for the sheep... Is that he would protect to the bitter end? Sacrificial protection. And in John chapter eleven, you have Jesus saying in the midst of a friend who has died, Lazarus, and he's saying to to uh, Lazarus's family, "Do you not know? Do you not believe in the resurrection? Oh, yes. You know, at the end of time, there's going to be a resurrection." He says. I am John 11:25 The resurrection and the life You have a good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep but you have the resurrection and the life there is supreme salvation found in Jesus There is supreme salvation found in Jesus When we talk about salvation, that means there is something that comes back from the dead. That means there is something that lives beyond. There is supreme salvation. Our Scripture reading, John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the singular source, the singular source of salvation. This is shortly before Jesus' death and he's giving this reassurance to his disciples who in just a little while they're going to see him betrayed and put on a cross and they're all going to turn away and he reminds them before all this, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way to God. He says don't forget that. There's a singular source. He's not a way among many. It's not his personal truth. In fact, if anyone can say this is my truth, it's God, isn't it? I mean, in him is life and no darkness at all. In him is light and no darkness at all. God never lies. I am the life. There is no other source for life. He's the giver of life. And then finally, I am the true vine. John 15. John 15 and verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And you can continue on reading there, but I think the point is pretty clear. Where you have this true vine, there is a sublime connection to God. A sublime connection to God. Jesus has already said he's the way, the truth, and the life. All the way back in John chapter 1, he tells a a, a new disciple, you're going to see things more amazing than me understanding where you are when you were under the tree. You're going to see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. It's a picture of a message from God going to and from heaven. Jesus being the connection to and from heaven. And here, as he looks at this, I am the true vine. You have a direct connection to God through Jesus. A sublime connection because there's nourishment, there's fruit, there's unity for all who are there. What a blessing to be connected to God. Each and every one of these metaphors where Jesus would say, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine each and every one of those are in that same way when Jesus says before Abraham was, I am. Lord willing, what we will do over the coming months is look at each and every one of these metaphors in context and give a detailed picture. This was just overview day. A detailed picture of every one of these But what I want you to consider this morning is this. The book of John is written in an incredibly evangelistic way. These things are written that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ and believing in Him, you might have life in His name. And when you consider what Jesus offers about Himself, satisfying provision in life, sanctified direction in life, secure entrance in life, Sacrificial protection in life, supreme salvation in life, singular source in life, and sublime connection with God in life. Those are all incredibly positive statements about what Jesus provides, what Jesus offers. He is the Son of God, and we can have life in His name. question is simple for everyone today, is he your? And fill in any one of these metaphors. But I'll hone in on one. Is he your shepherd? You see, he did lay down his life for, for, for you, and he took it up again so that we can have eternal life with him forever. And if we believe in him, and we trust in His name, and we recognize that He is the Son of God, and we're willing to have Him as the light to our life, following after Him. That means turning away from sin. That means confessing Him as the Son of God. And that means submitting to Him in baptism to contact His blood in His death and to walk in newness of life because he is the resurrection, and he is the life. Can we help you today? Please come forward as we stand and sing.